Welcome to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT. If you're new to the program, this show is designed to educate its users and listeners on the industry's best practices involving the design and construction of a single-family custom residential home, your dream home. A custom home can be small or large. It can be located in a rural community or in a large city. What makes it custom is intentional design. It's a home designed and built with a particular family in mind, yours. It's a home that maximizes your family's enjoyment of the structure while addressing such concerns as indoor air quality and minimizing the annual costs to heat and cool the property. These considerations can help your dream home qualify as more than just a custom home. It can be a high-performance home. Even though high-performance homes do not necessarily cost more than traditionally built homes, not all architects and custom home builders design and build high-performance homes. And why is that important? It's because a high-performance home delivers far greater value to you than a traditionally built home. In this program, we teach you the benefits of a high-performance home and how to ensure your architect and custom builder build your dream home as a high-performance home. And if your dream home is a home that has already been built, we share with you the most cost-effective modifications you can make to bring your home up to high-performance standards. How do we do this? By inviting industry-leading architects, custom builders, and other home design and construction professionals to share their knowledge with you. My guest today is Brandon Bryant, a highly awarded custom home builder from Asheville, North Carolina. Brandon is the president and owner of Red Tree Builders. He serves as president of the North Carolina Home Builders Association, as well as serving on the board of the NEHB. He is a master certified green builder who prides himself on building healthy, environmentally sound, and sustainable homes in the mountains of Asheville, North Carolina. It's my great pleasure to welcome you to the show, Brandon. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Brandon, I've known you for a few years now, and I have a deep appreciation for the homes you build and for the volunteer work you do in support of the professionals nationwide who are involved in the residential construction industry. Now, Brandon, most custom home builders who are successful build beautiful homes. It's kind of like shopping for cars. You assume some things. You assume that the car has a motor. You assume the car has a transmission. Same thing with custom home builders. You assume that if you're going to play in that in that game, you know how to build beautiful homes. But as an experienced builder, maybe you could help our listeners to understand why it's important to choose a custom builder who will build you a high-performance home that is also beautiful, rather than someone who will just build you a beautiful home. Yeah, I, I love your car analogy. That <laughs> um, I, I try to use that quite a bit because I always feel like everyone's at least bought a car or two or five in their lifetime. But sometimes how home building definitely, I mean, you've only done it once or never done it. Um, so it's quite different. 
you know, you, you, you hit a point, like you just make assumptions, but I don't know that we can always assume, right? Like, because, um, what, what am I getting or where is this coming from? But, um, I like to think we get one, one shot to get it right. We're building prototypes as a custom home builder. We're building a prototype with all these different widgets and proponents or components and putting it together out in the elements and we need to get it right the first time. But on that, kind of what you were saying about the high performance, you only get a one chance to do it behind the walls. I always feel like even a custom home, that house will over its lifetime, let's say a hundred year lifetime will be remodeled, you know, for cabinets, countertops, um, something might go in, in style, out of style. Um, but opening up the walls to get to the high performance and really like the structure itself, that opportunity is only it should never have to happen, right? And we only get right. a chance to do that right one time. And the assumption is, hey, I'm getting all this. I'm not just getting a code-built house as a custom house with nice finishes. Um, but it, I don't think that's always the case. Yeah, you know, um, I had an architect on the show recently, and she said, when you're building to code, you're building to the lowest acceptable standard. And that's quite a contrast to a builder who builds a high performance home because you're building far above that, that low hanging uh, threshold. I saw a great chart. It was, I love infographics and the chart was really showing, you know, code built house. Let's just say you, and then the houses that our company built are high performance homes. And it was talking about the different certifications. And so you're building a house like energy star. You're like five years into the future or 10 years for code. Um, and then it had, you know, net zero ready homes being 30 years where code would be in 30 years. So let's just okay. say you're reselling a house in 20 years. You want a house that's on the same standard of the homes that are, you know, getting built. Right. And so, you know, you're building a home for the future. Um, but you're exactly right. Code is the minimum that I can build and keep my license here in North Carolina. And uh, another another uh, analogy that um, I appreciate is when you are a craftsman, regardless of what field you're in. So, of course, uh, I work for a company, AJ Stainless. We do uh, custom stainless railing, and that's all we do. So we're super meticulous on railing because that's our life. We've been doing it for 30 years. I would imagine that all craftsmen, uh, the custom home builder, if you were building something for yourself, would you build it to the minimum acceptable level or would you find ways to upgrade things? Yeah, I, and I think that analogy works too, right? Like no one would just say, oh, this, this is good enough, right? Like, oh yeah, this is, I just finally got just enough that I need here. Um, and I'm finding that custom home builders, at least in my market, are doing above code. Um, but, you know, it's still to me some level of where code was when I first started 16 years ago to where it is now. It's advanced quite a bit from the energy standpoint. Um, life safety, some of those things kind of evolve, but um, I still think there's room to grow and definitely not something that would be, you know, going around saying, hey, we're building the code. I don't know. I hear a lot of builders going around and bragging about that. So you're exactly right. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, let me change gears just a little bit, Brandon. <clears throat> and one of the things I, I do a lot of work with both the National Association of Home Builders and with the American Institute of Architects. And one of the things that comes up with residential architecture is that not all jurisdictions require that you have an architect, a licensed architect, 
design your home. And so like, I know that you build a number of homes every, every year you've been in the industry for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume that you have the capacity within your firm to design all the homes you build. If if you chose to, you could design them and, and move forward. Uh, or people could come to you with plans that they got off the internet that some architectural firm has already created the plan. So they pay for the plans. They, they bring them to you. Do you see any advantage in actually hiring an architect? Maybe even if your jurisdiction doesn't require it. I, that's a fantastic question. And I, um, I see a ton of value in it. And so I'll kind of break it down a little bit just for everybody that you're listening to, but my specific market um, Asheville, North Carolina, we're in the mountains, um, western part of the state. And so topography can be quite a different. So I've seen challenges using, let's just call it the internet plans. And there's some really fantastic plans with a lot of, a lot of information. So first of all, you know, there's no ability to customize that or the real customization that they might present isn't really specific for the lot, for the land. Um, so when we meet with a client, I like to tell them the land will tell us what to build. Mm. Um, so we've got views here. We've got topography. We've got certain trees. There's landmark trees we might want to save. There's got to be a driveway come in somewhere or another. So let's not just try to say, hey, I bought this plan off the Internet or like I like this plan on the Internet. Hopefully they haven't bought it at that point. But <laughs> and then try to, to put it on there. And I for 16 going on 17 years of building, when I first started building, um, I didn't work with architects. It would be um, a very quick and easy draftsman that might give me four pages. Um, you know, it's just the elevations and floor plan. We're figuring it out. And, you know, we, then we did some off the Internet. And it's kind of evolved where I see myself as a value. My value going work, my clients working with the architect is it is really customized to them. The little details have been thought out. Um, our, our firm also has interior design company. And so, you know, putting the architect who's customizing the plan views or the windows are in the right spot. You're just seeing, man, this has been really thought out. Then you bring the interior designer in here to really think about flow, function, that connection, the outdoors. It saves the homeowner so much money. Um, you know, we still do some plans from occasionally off the internet, but what I found is that the homeowners end up paying a little bit more money for, you know, things that we end up having to do changes or adjustments, or we're figuring things out in the field. And as your builders figuring something out in the field, that's time and money as well. It's, right. It just shows up as a different line item. Now, um, I think there's, with anything, there's good value, right? Like there's, there's a set of plans that I find, this is, this is added value. Um, there's sometimes we get so much extra stuff with a set of plans. We're like, okay, that might've been overkill. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we found it good. And then we've worked with architects out of Austin, Texas. Um, we just finished up one that was in Utah. Um, so not even always have to be local. I mean, I mean, me and you are doing this um, and we're not right next to each other. Right. So like yeah. that ability to connect with smart professionals that now with, after everything we've evolved with virtual meetings can be just as good as, you know, having to hire the very local, local person. Yeah. I appreciate you mentioning that uh, you work with clients outside of your, your home jurisdiction. You know, you mentioned, uh, Brandon, uh, the, the builder on site. It makes me wonder, let's say that I'm thinking of um, a building custom home and 
I already have an opportunity to buy a lot. Would it make sense for me to maybe wait and choose the, the builder first to get the builder's input on the lot? Or should I just go ahead and grab the lot? Yeah, great question. I, I tell people, to go ahead and get it under due diligence, get it under contract, right? You get an X number of days, you negotiate. I got 30 days due diligence to do all my work, right? Um, and so a lot of times myself as a builder, well, I'll go out and look at a piece of land or maybe they said, hey, I came to town and I've, I've looked at three pieces. Can you go by and look at these before we make an offer on Brandon? Um, you know, I think that get it under contract was what it was the last couple of years where everything was on fire and you had to get it under contract. <laughs> you didn't have time yeah. for me to get out there. Um, now there's a little bit of breathing room because, you know, from my standpoint, um, we come out and typically within 10, 15 minutes, we say, hey, this is what we know we could build. I know we couldn't do this. This is what the land's telling us. And roughly, here's a ballpark of what's going to cost to prep and get the land ready. I kind of, when I talk to clients early on, I try to break out costs two different ways. The cost to build the house is this. And then the cost to site prep and get the land ready for me to build is this number. Um, and that number for site prep, I like to tell people that's your land cost. Let's just say you bought a piece of land for X, add that set that prep cost into it because building the house is separate, but I've got to get the land ready and I'm yeah. just building in the mountains. I can be on challenging slopes, like a 40, 45% slope, or maybe I've got a 10% slope. That house is going to cost two different numbers right. just based on foundation and site prep. Yeah, that's good to hear. So then if I were just trying to, to summarize what you just said, the market has cooled down a little bit at this point in terms of uh, land uh, purchases, what's available. But um, it does make sense to tie up the land, give yourself a little bit of window, and then have your builder walk the property because they will be able to tell me the house that you're dreaming of cannot be built on this site. Or they'll be able to tell me, yeah, we can do it. Is that fair? That's fair. And then the two things I like to talk about early on with clients is expectations and budget. Um, if we talk about the budget early on and we talk about your expectations and they're in line from the beginning to the end, things will go well. Like that's the two things that will go sideways in a construction thing. And the last thing you want to do is buy a piece of land and it doesn't meet your expectations or your budget or neither one, right? Like you can't do both. Um, that's a bad day. Um, so I like it. I like it. Well, I've got a couple more questions to run through with you, but before we get into them, uh, we'll take a quick break. You're listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and we'll be right back. Did you know that with certain designs and construction techniques, you can completely eliminate the cost of heating and cooling your home each month? For some homeowners, that can represent a savings of $5,000 to $10,000 a year with no less in comfort. Want to learn more? Be sure and listen to Designing and Building Your Dream Home with your host, KT, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. right here on 1150 KKNW. 
damage from wildfires is devastating and traumatic. After wildfires, dishonest contractors show up hoping to make a quick buck from your insurance claim. They'll promise anything if they can get you to sign a contract, collect your payment in advance, and ultimately do no work at all. Avoid being the victim of contractor fraud. Get estimates from at least three contractors. Check references and remember, if you didn't request it, reject it. To report fraud, call us at 1-800-TELL-NICB. This is a public service message from the National Insurance Crime Bureau. Find out the latest about your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Check out 1150kknw.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and with us is Brandon Bryant from Red Tree Builders. So we started the show off by having a, a nice conversation about how you can um, choose to not just have a beautiful custom home designed and built for yourself. You can have a beautiful custom home that is also a high performance home that gives you a greater value than a traditionally built home. And uh, Red Tree Builders has been building high performance homes for years. We've got a few more questions to walk through with Brandon. So Brandon, uh, we had on the program earlier, a representative from ResNet, the Residential Energy Rating Service, nonprofit organization that helps homeowners to understand what value can be gained from having your home have an energy rating. Now, I've followed some of your projects. I know that you have recently won an award from from ResNet for 2,500 square foot home that you built. Maybe you can just tell us a little bit about why you use energy raters and what value having a rater brings to the builder and to the homeowner? Yeah, I um, and thank you for mentioning that. I green rater is part of our energy rater is um, part of our team, and so it's just baked into our process. So let me start with the why we have this. Every home that we build as a company is green certified, and I do that for a, f- a few reasons. A, it gives the clients ability to we get to verify what we're saying we're doing right, like we're building you a high-performance home, a healthy home, indoor air. So the certifications we're currently getting is the Department of Energy's Net Zero Ready certification. We're getting their Indoor Air Plus certification, and we're getting the Energy Star. So it's kind of like a whole package. Without a, my Energy Rater, I can't get the certification. So I tell homeowners, you know, if you're talking to a builder, say they, let's just say that they're saying they're a green builder, the one thing is that home getting certified, A, it adds value to the homeowner if they want to go, you know, on mortgages or even the, for resale. But it really, you have you have the data to know that it is. The one thing that I am always concerned about our industry in a, a whole is that green building, high performance building, isn't something you can just go pick one or two things off the shelf. It's a very holistic approach. Um, this is a all these components are working together as one whole system. So when you go build a house super tight, you can make a very unhealthy house from indoor air quality. My green rater is part of our team. We're getting the certification. They're coming on site, verifying that we're doing the work that we say, because no one's going to verify it. If I just tell you I do it and no one's going to know that you've done it. So as a, it gives a peace of mind to our homeowners as well that, Hey, there's somebody else checking. I mean, that person is checking our insulation just like a building inspector is, but they're looking at at a higher level. They're verifying what we've done in framing to make sure that energy efficiency, indoor air quality things, and then they test the house for a blower door at the end. 
And then they help us also program how much fresh air we need and how often. Nice. Yeah, just huge value. Um, it's also just, you know, someone we can consult with. Hey, we're thinking about doing this. Um, what do you think? Or like this detail, like, can you help us make sure we get this funky detail? Because framing and custom houses, there's angles that we're like, man, how are we going to insulate that? Right. Um, how are we going to how are we going to air seal this? Um, and they're just part of that team to walk houses with us and, and really help us achieve our goals. But I think for the homeowner, it really is. Hey, I got the data. I got the verification. And then I know that my home is actually built at, as one system and not just, you know, pick and choosing some things. So I'm a big component of getting certification and, and that is just using the energy rater on top of that. Fantastic. Yeah. So when I'm thinking of the importance of having an energy rater on the, on the project, and it could be one of the things that maybe steers a homeowner towards one builder and away from another. If, if the homeowner, if the builder has a process of building homes and they feel that having an energy rater as part of their team is restrictive. And you got another builder who says, not only do we feel that we want one, but that's an integral part of us Mm -hmm. doing what we're doing. That could, tip your decision in terms of who you decide to go with. But I would, I, you know, you're building a new home. You know, when I'm doing CEU courses for architects, I always ask, like, how many of you uh, commonly have money left over at the end of the project? <laughs> and they crack up <laughs> laughing. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's residential construction or big, huge commercial building. Nobody has money left over at the yeah. end of the project. And oftentimes, even though you do it in the industry, we call value engineering, you try to um, bring the products that have the best value into the, the, the equation as early as possible, you still run out of money at the end of the project. So my question is, could a person legitimately choose not to have an energy rater on the project because it adds a big expense that can make it so that they really can't get that sub-zero refrigerator. They've got to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of other things you would cut a lot quicker than the energy rater. Um, <laughs> the en- energy rater is probably less than 1% of the total cost of the build. Um, so in that ballpark of 800, depending on their scope and, you know, if you're are doing $800 to $2,000 per house in my market area, um, it could be a little bit more if it's a massive house, but yeah, that's not a place to cut. Um, or the <laughs> landscaper, like, hey, that's just you know a few less plants that you can plant next yeah, year. Exactly. Um, yeah, the uh, and but yeah, and so the good thing about the energy rater, even from my standpoint, is you know they're integral, like you said, they're part, but they can show. You know, once you move in the house, there's a monthly cost, right? Like there's energy yeah, costs, there's all sorts of other costs. Um, your health is a big cost to you, right? Like you want a healthy house. Um, that can be a bigger driver. But we're putting things along with that consulting of like, hey, this is how to perform in this house. Here's how to live in this house. We can do a ton of videos telling people how to live in their home because these are high performance homes. It's like driving a Tesla. It's it's still a car, still got a steering wheel and gas, but you don't really have a key. Your phone's the key. And there's there's things in there you don't even know what it does, but you're still getting to point A, point B. We want to try to teach people just like that. Hey, this is like the electric car. It's different, 
you've always been in a house, but this is different. And the energy rate are really, you're saving. Our houses are typically twice as efficient than a code built house, if not three times as more efficient. So you're saving, you know, thousand to $2,000 per year on energy bill, right? There's your cost of the energy rate in the first year. I love it. So in effect, the energy rater, you, you, you actually are going to lock in savings in the form of money you don't pay out in utilities every year. So that would be one of the things you would try to keep in. You wouldn't uh, cut that $2,000 out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That $2,000 is, you know, and could I build at this point building high performance homes? Could I do it without a green rater? potentially, but I love having somebody just verify the work that we're doing. Um, I don't have the equipment to do the blower door and some of that. So, but you know, the components, yeah. But like I hear some builders say, Hey, I don't, you know, I don't think that it's worth getting the certification. It's an extra 300, $500, depending on what certification they're going for, man. I just think it's, it's, it's a no brainer to do because it also, for me as a builder, um, you know, I can prove to somebody, I can say, hey, Ms. Ms. Homeowner, this is exactly what we did. This is the end result. You paid me to do this, but here's my results. And here's your savings projected. Um, that's a it. cool thing. Yeah. You're saying you're saying that the certification holds you accountable because you're able to say to the client, here's the end conclusion right there. There you go. And and they can't tell necessarily. But that document allows them to then put their confidence in the fact that Red Tree did what they said they were going to do. And I have this certificate that proves it. Amen. You, you nailed it. I love that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this and use that when I hear the podcast. I'm going to take it to use that. That's <laughs> exactly what I was trying to say with less words. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now I, I want to I have you just talk a little bit. So those of us that are active in uh, the National Association of Home Builders uh, know you and the quality of the product that you create and just um, your commitment to the industry, to strengthening the industry, even just recently starting an initiative to just help with um, uh, construction industry pros with mental health issues. Just you, you do so much. And I just would like you to talk a little bit about that so that when our listeners are trying to decide, okay, I want to have a custom home built, who should I choose? Um, they put Red Tree up at the top of the list. So, Brandon, can you just talk a little bit about uh, how Red Tree is different, distinctive from other custom home builders? Yeah, I, uh, I have to give credit to my wife for all of this. And, um, and I'll, I'll, if I can, I'll just tell a story is about, it's probably nine years now. My wife came to me and then I can almost remember just like it was yesterday. said, Brandon, you're building some great houses. Um, and very early on, we were building great houses, beautiful homes, but I had no process and my customer service probably wasn't that great. And that's basically what she was telling me, man, like when you finish the house, these people are over you in this, but you know, your houses are great. You need to really focus on the client, um, the client experience. And for that last nine years, um, our company has really been focused on the customer experience. If it makes our life better as a builder and easier, but it is a negative to the customer experience, we don't do it. So we always act, look at how can we enhance the customer experience? And with that, you know, we had to start having some transparency about how we build and how we do things. 
Um, we really had to create a process. I'm a visionary. Um, anyone that's ever done EOS training, I'm a visionary. I had to go find my implementer, someone to help me implement and get in the process and do all that. And, you know, we've hired nothing but rock stars here at Red Tree. But one thing I heard a few years ago, rock stars come and go, but processes stay. And so you can always plug <laughs> in a rock star into that. Um, and so really is honing that process because all custom, most custom home building, you know, we don't have major players in that. Most of it's small business owners, just like myself. And um, you're taking someone's the largest expense of money that they ever done, a dream that they're having. And as I said earlier, it's a prototype and trying to put it together. There's a lot to be had in the experience. And so in the last two years, we've really talked about we're, you know, I tell, still tell people I'm a home builder, but really I, me and my team, we talk to people, we're storytellers. We're here to tell the story and whatever your story is for our, as a client, we want to tell your story and be part of your story. And most of our clients are moving into Asheville or, or moving up in a house um, that have been living here. And we want to be, just be part of that story. So it's an experience, just like when you go to Disney, that's an experience. Yeah. You remember the rides and all that. But, um, you know, there's an analogy that, you know, people and I'm going to butcher this one, but people forget, you know, you forget what you ate. You forget like um, what you wore, but you remember how you felt at that event. Right. Totally like, true. Totally true. And so I really want to be like when people say Red Tree, they remember the experience, but they're also living in the house. So they live that experience and that energy, the emotion of that house every day. Right. And so as a company, we talk about every house we build is a healthy um it's focused on wellness and energy efficiency. And it's got all these certifications. It's beautiful and all that, but there's an emotional side to it. And we really start talking about, there's a lot of stuff we're doing to our house to affect your emotions with daylight, how we paint walls and, and, and movement front porch connectivity to community and to, to people neighbors. But if we didn't create you an experience that you enjoyed and been, man, that was it. So that's what we've really tried to hone in on. And, um, you know, I don't think we've, 100% hit it, but I don't think we ever will. I'm going to continue to try to make sure that the mental health was a big piece. And thank you for mentioning that. It's near and dear to my heart. Um, and then as a as a leader and owner of a company, I really wanted to get where I was more of a compassionate leader and trying to lead a conversation. We all know that it, we went through a lot in the last two years, but we're going through stuff all the time and everybody comes onto a, onto a job site or who we're building for um to even my team members that we really you know show compassion and love to people because you know that's at the end of the day it's all at the end of the day all we're going to have is relationships and that um what we've done i don't want to be defined that oh he was a home builder um that's not what i want on my epitaph or um, whatever my wife ends up yeah. doing um i really want to be known as someone who had a positive impact um we changed our why statement for a company to have a positive sustainable impact on the community in which we live that yeah. doesn't say that anything about home building right like we right. We might have an impact, some other way of doing something else. As long as we stay with that why statement, I think we're we're doing what we need to be doing here. So, Brandon, my next question for you really has to do with design. Why do you feel design is the single most important element in building a high performance home? That's a great question. So here's here's my theory about design and green building high performance home. 
Um, and I'm sorry, I keep saying green and high performance. I don't know what the right terminology anymore is. And I, <laughs> it depends. The, um, and I was asked by the International Builder Show to speak on this in, in 60 design ideas in 60 minutes. I got to speak on 10 on green building. And when I was thinking, what are 10 principles of green building that I can, I think are trending and it is great design. Um, if you think back, if anyone is in their community of where the neighborhoods you want to live in, the neighborhoods that have lasted for 100 plus years, right? You're thinking that's great architecture. There's great design there. Um, and it's got a it's got a feel to it that's unlike any other. Um, I think we've in our industry got to the point where we've kind of forgot about the design. So we're talking about custom home building, but we're talking about all the other things. Maybe it's fit and finish, but the exterior of a house never really gets remodeled all that often. But the design elements of it, so well designed home is going to be function and be beautiful. But my my theory is that most people will take care of a well-designed home. It's going to last longer because people care about it because it's a beautiful, it becomes a fabric of our community. So that is our number one green building principle is great design because great design, great architecture leads to people really caring about the house. The house lasting for a hundred plus years because I'm really trying to build houses that are not built for today, but built for tomorrow. That would be beautiful homes that add to the community but also that, you know, are high performing, doing all these things. But if you do it, if you have a high performance home, that's just an ugly house, well, that doesn't <laughs> add value. Uh, and then potentially that has thing that's going to end up needing to be remodeled. It may be torn down because you're like, man, that's just ugly. Um, so if we get the opportunity to be, build something beautiful, plus all the other things. Um, so that's our number one green building principle because People don't knock down ugly houses. They take care of beautiful houses, right? <laughs> like, um, I mean, people don't knock down beautiful houses. They really take care of them. And that's really why I think great architecture. And it doesn't mean it has to have a ton of corners, a ton of different roof angles. I've seen change in materials. I've seen just small little elements that you're like, ooh, there's something different here. Um, and that really is the number one principle we have when it comes to, to green building. That is fantastic. You know, when you were talking about ugly homes, I'm thinking to myself about those first uh, electric cars and um, what they looked like. And it, it, like, nobody wanted those cars. The only people who wanted those, those early uh, electric cars that you could only lease, they wouldn't even sell them to you, you could only lease them, were people who their number one thing was saving the earth. But, you know, they realized pretty quick on that not a lot of people wanted those cars, except for this super small subset, because they were not attractive. Mm, no, <laughs> you could have reached the conclusion. Well, I guess nobody really likes electric cars, but, you know, uh, Tesla changed our perception on that matter. It's interesting how when something looks beautiful, you're OK with maybe spending a little bit more to have it also take care of other things like mm -hmm. electric cars. And the same thing with a home. When, when it looks beautiful, you're going to take care of it. Yeah. Right. Amen. So I love the I love the way you put that together. Design is a, a super important element of a high performance home. And you're great with these car analogies, man. You're nailing the car analogies. <laughs> I'm going to use every one of them because you're exactly right. <laughs> Tesla built a beautiful car, 
they designed a beautiful car. Like who doesn't want something that looks like it's a sportster and it does all these other things. Yeah. Yeah, totally true. Okay. So Brandon, you, you have been in the business for a while and you know, hundreds of builders. So let's just say, listening to this show, I don't know any custom home builders. All I know is I want to build a custom home for my family in the next year or two. How, of course, they're all going to choose you, but let's (laughs) assume that you're super duper busy and someone needs a custom home builder and you're not available. Can you maybe suggest two, three, four, whatever it is, things that that the 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 uh, consumer can be thinking of when they're looking to choose a custom builder? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You're right. Um, if you're building in Asheville, your answer is Red Tree Builders. If you're building somewhere else, um, let's talk through these things. Um, you know, I'm super involved. You mentioned it. Um, I got super involved with my local home builders association. At the time, it was called the Asheville Home Builders. There were the Builders Association in Blue Ridge Mountains. Now, that's a mouthful um, change of name situation. But I never had met that many builders before, right? It's an industry that we don't come together that often. And as I got more involved, I got to know more builders. I got more involved with home builders. And so now I'm the state president of North Carolina and involved on the National Association of Home Builders. And what I found is, is there people that are super involved with those associations? And I mean, not just a member, but involvement and um, participation are builders that have probably been in the community a while. They, they're they active and they're, they're seeing home building as something bigger than themselves, right? Bigger than just profits or what I'm getting. It's really somebody that's looking to give back, um, someone who's looking to um, be part of something bigger than them. Um, another thing that we kind of tip, I tell this, this is, we've got a YouTube channel that just kind of, we're trying to teach people about custom home building, what to know beforehand and what during construction and questions to ask builders. And one of the ones I try to tell people to use is um, when you're getting references, not just get the reference of past clients or current clients, get references of their trades, their lumber yard that they're working with, a builder, call their lumber yard, um, their HVAC, HVAC or plumber or electrician, because they're using them all the time. And the questions really what I tell people is, hey, if you, if you can talk to their lumber supplier, they can tell you more about that builder than anybody is because they're going to powerful. <laughs> powerful. Are they current on their invoices? Um, are they organized? Do they have a process? Like, are they also calling you and say, hey, I need that material today? And like, just realize, are they always there, you know, going by the seat of their pants, right? Um, that lumber yard can tell you, right? And they can tell you also how long they've been doing business with that lumber yard. Um, you know, relationships are big in this industry, connections and all of that. So, you know, that's kind of the two things I try to tell people. Um, you know, the Home Builders Association is a great resource. Typically, they're not going to tell you who to build for, but they're going to give you, you can see the activity level of builders there and then just call those references. Nice. So one of the things that I've come to appreciate is that the um, associations like the NAHB have either locally through the Home Builders Association or nationally through the NAHB, a process to keep builders and remodelers knowledge current. So they have um, senior experienced custom builders like you, Brandon, doing educational sessions um, 
where you, you you mentioned the International Builder Show, the Builder Show, that's the largest event for single family residential construction in the country put on by the NHB. They're bringing in people like you to educate the other builders. So the other builders are able to say, hey, that's important. You're talking about how important the customer experience is, so important that you restructured how you run your business. Another builder hears that, it resonates, and they're thinking, you know what? That's exactly where I'm at. I'm building great products. No one ever complains that my home is not beautiful, but I'm getting customer negative feedback through the whole process. (laughs) And rather than just ignoring it, because there's more customers available, let me just fix this. Let me create an environment where a customer enjoys the build-out process as opposed to it's it's a necessary evil to get the home built. So I appreciate you kind of mentioning some of those things. And and would you agree that it would strengthen a builder or remodeler who is not currently a member of the NHB to join their local home builders association and to get involved? I you know I probably would be stripped of my state president title if I didn't agree with you on that. Um, so I'm pretty sure that they would come for me. The, um, you know, I served two years as a local president. I, you know, I hear a lot of times, man, I'm just too busy. I got too much work. I mean, we all got, you know, I've got a 10 year old daughter. I'm serving, you know, four hours away from Raleigh. So I'm going to Raleigh in the morning. Um, but sometimes you, you can't be, you have to pick that your priorities and what are you too busy for? And something that I'm, you know, my membership $650 a year, I think. And you don't think that I'm not getting paid back that 10 times in the value of just um, education, connections, helping advocacy um, from all sorts of things, but just mentorship. When I first started, I was 33 years old. No, I was in, I was even early in that. Man, I was about 30, 29, 30 when I joined. Um, the amount of knowledge and just being able to call somebody and say, hey, have you ever went through this? How do you how do you do that? And it just rises in the ship of home builders, right? Like we really want to make this this you know con- our craft construction was in you know two thousand years ago it was a highly regarded. You needed that, right? You needed right. craftsmen. You needed people like that. It's the fabric of it. And now, for some reason, it's the industry like, oh man, you failed at everything else. Maybe you should go into this. Um, that skill is um, something we shouldn't take for granted. And it really, I think our industry would serve better if we all were educating a little bit more on whatever part of the business we're, you know, needing to work on a little bit, right? Because sometimes you look at admired industries and you can see firefighters, policemen, but home builders are typically ranked down there with lawyers and real estate agents. And I don't want us (laughs) down there. I want us a little bit above that, right? Um, Like, you know, you're not that low. You're not that low, but point we're taken. not that low, but uh, we're not up there. And, and my biggest thing, when I took um, as state president, my acceptance speech was talking about the impact in which we can make on people's lives in this industry. There is no other industry that can have the level of impact that we can on people's lives than home building because it's providing people shelter. It's, it's our sanctity. That's, you know, general generational wealth. Um, all these things that, you know, you you build community um, and it all comes from the home and it and everybody's like, hey, 
just want to be home, right? There's a sense of something yeah. about home and like, that's an industry that I, and you do too, right? That That's yeah. an industry which we get to play in and like to have that kind of impact. You don't get that with any other um, industry. I love it. I, we just got back from vacation in Maui and as amazing as Maui was, there's just such a wonderful feeling of coming back into my home. Oh, home. yeah. I'm sitting on my own couch. It was freezing cold. It was like 40 degrees and Maui was 84. So, you know, yeah. weather-wise, it was tough to beat. But even with that, walking mm. in my front door, sitting on my own couch, it was totally yeah. cool. You can sit there and have a deep breath. You're home, right? Like exactly. everything's okay. Yeah. That was well said. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. And we come back, Brandon, I, I, I'd like you to talk a little bit about addressing indoor air quality hmm. in the homes that, that you build. So you're listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and we'll be right back. While serving in Iraq, an IED took both my legs, but it didn't take my spirit. As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there. I'm Greg Gadsden, Army veteran. DAV helps veterans and their families get the benefits they've earned. Today, I'm an entrepreneur, photographer, and public speaker. With the right support, more veterans can reach victories great and small. My victory is just being the best that I can be. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Wondering what's on next on Alternative Talk 1150? Check out 1150kknw.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT, and with us is Brandon Bryant from Red Tree Builders. So, Brandon, we've talked about a number of things on this show uh, that have to do with the uh, design and build out of a high-performance custom home. But one thing that we haven't spent a lot of time on yet is indoor air quality. I'm going to deal with this subject in a little bit more detail in a later program, but I'm hoping you can touch on it because I know that you you design a high-performance home that that features uh, a, a positive addressment of the major things that impact the homeowner's ability to really enjoy their home over time. So you're in a, an enclosed environment, you're breathing in air that's in an enclosed environment. If we just reason on that for a few moments, you'd think, you know what? Whoever designs and builds my home should think about indoor air quality. Yeah. But that is not the standard. Not every no. builder, not every architect is saying, look, we're enclosing them in this environment. The air they have enclosed is the air they have. No. So help our listeners to understand why, even if your builder or your architect doesn't bring up indoor air quality, why you should bring it up to them. Yeah. I can't wait to hear your podcast. So I won't try to steal too much of their thunder because this is like one of my, one of my babies. Um, so I'll tell you, I'll go, I have to stop back kind of with the story and my why indoor air quality is so important to me. When I started our building company, Red Tree Builders, we we're focused on green performance. But then it was really energy efficiency. That was the movement, right? This is 2006. Um, there's a, a lot of excitement about that, right? Um, it wasn't until we, my wife had suffers from terrible asthma as a child, you know, always been an inhaler, always lung shutting down and allergies are all through the roof. And so 
we built our second home and we moved into that house and man, high performance home, like amazing. All the like, you know, I'm like, dude, we killed it. With this house. <laughs> Tricked out. Um, yeah. I mean, it's got geothermal. It's got everything you would have wanted. Right. Um, and that first night, it was February and kind of like when you trip back from Maui, it was probably 30 some degrees. And my wife walked in there and said, Brandon, I can't breathe. And she opened up every window and I would never slept in a house as cold as that house was because she needed it to air out. And I went, but I did this. I did this. I did this. And, you know, I've got low VOC pain. I've got low VOC and all, all this, but which made me think, all right, there's something here. So you know, I, I want my wife to have a healthy home, but, I, you know, I was more focused on energy efficiency. So here's my, here's my thought about this is as a builder, I can focus on energy efficiency and just building a tight house and then make a really poor, unhealthy home that has no indoor air quality ventilation and solution. Right. Um, and I think there was a lot of homes kind of built in the early 2000s with that kind of focus. Um, I had a friend that moved in, it was bought as a resale. They bought this house and man, it was green certified, this and that. And they're like, I'm having the worst headaches ever. A whole family is. Wow. I walked through the house and you know, there was no really ventilation in the house. There was no ERV or HRV. There was barely some bath fans, but also they had brought all new furniture in. There was all sorts of chemicals from cleaning to just, you know, even the bathroom yeah. product that you would use. And so I told her, I was like, this is your house is kind of making you sick is really what it is. Even though it's a homeowner wants to hear that. Oh no. Now granted that one, I didn't build that one, but the other one with my wife, like we let that house air out my, my wife's house and it got where she could, you know, it was no problem, but it was all that off gas that happened that first couple of weeks. So I've been on a journey of indoor air quality. So as opposed to energy efficiency building, if you focus on indoor air quality, energy efficiency just comes as a byproduct of that because to build a healthy indoor air quality house, you have to build a energy efficient home. You just then, but you're, you're putting ventilation. So a lot of people will say, Hey, a house needs to breathe. And I a hundred percent agree. I want to build it tight and I want to control how it breathes and have filtered air. So, you know, there's a, there's a saying saying build it tight, ventilate it right. And that is exactly the principle of indoor air quality of like you build a tight box, you make sure you're keeping water out is your number one thing. And then indoor air, you don't want to have a ton of leaks. Take care of that, build a tight box. And then you put an ERV or right now we're currently working. Last year we worked with Panasonic um, on their solution, but we're doing something with Brone now that has sensors all through the house. And if it detects poor indoor air quality, it turns on like a bath fan. It could turn on the HVAC system, whatever. It could even turn on your vent hood and just then pulls out all the indoor air quality. So the indoor air that could be poor, it's pulling it out, running it for X number of times. So it's constantly monitoring your air. So currently our systems really, our houses are built so tight. Our ERV typically runs 60 minutes an hour. They can be tested and be less than that. But this now allows you to monitor it and it's, you know, the homeowners don't have to worry about it. And it's just going to, let's just say you're cooking and you didn't turn on the vent hood um, or you took a shower and then got all that humidity and it pulls the humidity out, like takes the human error out of it. Um, you know, even we've got high concentration of radon. So we make sure that we 
stack radon through the, we do a passive system and then test for radon once we're finished with the house to make sure our homeowners. So we like to tell our homeowners we love them. We don't want to try to kill them. Um, we're trying to um, take care of them and really do these things. But then it's also educating our clients that I need you to turn on your vent hood when you're cooking. Um, and here's the reasons why. And it's also vented to the outside. You know, a lot of people have, you know, recirculated. And they're like, there's yep. no point. It's loud and it's doing no purpose. Or the bath fan i don't want you to turn that on for the smell i want you to turn that on for the humidity and the moisture and pull that out um so there's a lot of components that we're doing things to that create a healthy environment the other the other thing is educating our clients now that you got this house here's how to live healthy in this and here's the things you may not have to do a lot of things you're not really changing your lifestyle we're putting motion and timers on bath fans one of the other things since we're talking about cars you love cars yeah, so much yeah i'll take this uh every house that we do we put a fan in the garage it, typically a bath fan a panasonic i thought you were gonna say you put a car in the garage i don't it is not <laughs> we don't provide a car um yeah but uh you know an ev we put ev chargers in a lot of homes but that doesn't off gas but your car off gas is more in the 15 minutes after it shut off and it's still off gases. And okay. so all of a sudden you've got a garage being filled up with off gassing from the motor and all the other things getting there heating up and there's off gassing. We put a fan in each one of our garages that it on motion. And so that thing runs for 20 minutes. So all the fumes or whatever, maybe you're just putting random stuff in your garage. That way it doesn't go into the house. The fan comes on and it takes it to the outside. So there's a lot of small little things you can do to create a, a healthy environment. But most people don't think, man, my garage, um, you know, I need to worry about the air in my garage or the air coming from the garage in my house. It's not just the outside. You know, I, I love that. Like I know for, for us with, with fabricating uh, a custom stainless railing at AGS, we, um, we only do one thing which is stainless railing. So we are hyper-focused on every aspect of creating custom railing. Whereas other companies are doing multiple different things, awnings, trellises, blah, 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 blah. In listening to you talk about um, indoor air quality and then drilling down and just talking about, okay, in the garage, it seems to me like it's similar with, with how we go about business. Like you build custom homes and you spend a great deal of time thinking through how to do what you do better. Is that a fair summary? It's a fair summary. It's, it's, it's learned experiences, right? Like, Ooh, this is, this is an opportunity here, right? Like this is, you know, let's think about this. We research cars. What are cars off? Oh, cars off gas. I didn't know <laughs> that. Right. Um, or radon. Like how do I, how I do a radon mitigation system now compared to how I did it 10 years ago is totally different. We've evolved and gotten better at it. And most of our houses now don't even need fans because we're doing so many more things in the pre-stages um, instead of just putting a fan on. You can put a fan on it and pull the radon out. But could I do things under the slab beforehand? And then I don't have to worry that the fan may go out in 10 years or the power goes out. Like I know that it's passively going to take care of radon. So you're, you're exactly right. It's, it's learning, it's education, it's the same thing back to the home builders. I learned what I've learned about radon from a guy I met from the National Association of Home Builders that is in Kansas City. Would have never met him without that involvement and would have never nerded out on radon. Wow. I'm indebted to you for your willingness, your generosity, and just sharing the things that you shared today. 
with our listeners. If someone's thinking of, of building a custom home for their family, what's the best way to get in touch with you? What would be next steps? Yeah, I think there's obviously multiple ways, right? Um, our website is redtreebuilders.com. Um, they, contact form comes actually directly to me. I still do um, the sales in the first initiation of with clients. Um, and our Instagram is Red Tree Builders as well. And we have a YouTube channel, even if you're not interested in building, um, just a lot of what your podcast here is doing is educating people on the process of building homes. And that's also in, under Red Tree Builders as well. Excellent. Well, again, I appreciate uh, your willingness to come on the show and share those wonderful gems with us. You've been listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT. If you missed any part of the show, you can uh, find us uh, on the podcast, wherever you uh, get your podcasts. And we will look forward to seeing you next week. <laughs>